the Mawale. For the win! Women's Sports Podcast. I'm Annabelle Watson. It's June 23rd, and I'm here with Brett Tulip and Miles Grossman. Uh, we have a pretty heavy WNBA show for you guys today. But first off, Miles and Brett, how are you guys? Good, good. Happy to be here. Really getting into the gritty part of the WNBA season, past that 25% threshold, and the Liberty have another challenge this evening. So excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to watch tonight's game, you know, and a nice draft last night, which was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, so we're going to look ahead to the Liberties game tonight at 7.30 versus the Atlanta Dream um, in Atlanta. So the Liberty are coming off a home win against a Mercury team that was without Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi. So they were kind of shorthanded there. We'll get into that uh, later on in the show, the Mercury's injury troubles. But um, tonight's game against Atlanta, for me, this is really kind of an interesting game for the Liberty because they lost to the Dream um, on Tuesday the 13th, um, but they won against the Dream on June 9th. And I think the Dream is kind of this interesting team where they can kind of flip-flop between great success and great failure. So I think guys, the main question here is what are the big keys for the Liberty tonight after their loss to them most recently on June 13th and coming off that win against the Mercury? I think if the Liberty are going to have a dominant performance on the road, it really all comes down to the rebounding category. And Sandy Brondello will tell you that herself, right? If the Liberty had a, a worse category it'd surely be on the glass and particularly on the defensive glass it's all right if you're not necessarily a dominant team on the offensive glass but giving up offensive rebounds is a whole different story so if the liberty are going to stay dominant on the road they're going to have to finish up solid defensive possessions with defensive rebounds right a strong interior presence and i think that really all starts with john quell jones i think conditioning wise day by day she's getting back to her normal self but you know there's a lot of familiarity here the third time in just two weeks they face atlanta and like you said annabelle it's completely different story in the two matchups in that one that they rolled atlanta on the road it was 37 out of sab and i think Obviously, Sabrina being out in the second contest was huge. They were able to really exert all their defensive pressure onto Stewie and make that kind of a, a, a difficult defensive matchup for her. So now that Sab is back, I definitely expect Liberty to be a bit more comfortable on the road. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say that uh, Sabrina Ionescu not playing on the 13th was probably one of the biggest reasons. Um, as she's been excelling with her three ball this season, you know, a career high, eight threes a game, 43% from three. And just having her three-point shooting back um, will be really important because it's such a, like, 
big part of the Liberty offense as they do lead the WNBA in threes attempted and threes made. But I also think they need to take advantage of the Dream have a few good scores, but they do also lead the league in turnovers. So if they can try to get them to be careless with the ball, um, the Liberty can come out on top. Yeah, definitely. You guys both touched on Sabrina not beating that recent loss against the Dream um, due to injury. And I think obviously she plays a huge role in terms of their success. Um, and I think also in that loss, Stewie did not have a great game. Um, she was one for 14 on field goals in that loss. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of just want to see her continue those MVP stat lines, 28 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists in the game against the Mercury. So obviously we can't be asking for those absolutely Goliath numbers um, every single game, but, you know, hopefully she can continue that against the dream and kind of capitalize and get those offensive rebounds. Um, and I think for her with Stewie, a really big thing is she needs to be aggressive with her shot selection from the beginning of the game. Um, and that, that gave her, gave her great success in the Mercury game. So hopefully with Sabrina back and um, Stewie not having a, a huge off day, they can, um, really be successful against the dream this time and you know miles i think you make a good point they're seeing them for the third time in uh, about two weeks so you know there's some sense of familiarity there and they they know the dream at this point and you know something we've always gone back to is the fact that the liberty are kind of finally starting to find their stride they couldn't really they had trouble gelling at first but I think now they're really in a sweet spot and getting Sabrina back is extremely important so we'll see what happens tonight at 7 30 down in Atlanta but we're going to go south yet again um to Dallas where we had Arike of Agunbowale, who was ejected um, on Tuesday in a win against the Dream. Um, she picked up two technical fouls and an automatic ejection in the final minutes of the Wings' uh, 85-73 win. And she was just kind of hyping up the home crowd court. Um, she signed an autograph while she was being ejected. But this this game was really interesting because um, both teams, the Dream and the Wings, combined for a record 10 technical fouls, which was the most seen in a regular season game for the W. So kind of just a statistical anomaly there. But guys, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, I think a big thing is how Arike is kind of becoming this fiery, fun player. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind when you see those 10 technicals is a, is a lot of them were ticky-tack. I mean, a couple defensive three seconds toss in there. And, you know, I, I could go on my defensive three seconds, offensive three seconds rant all day, but it's really one of the most subjective calls in sports, right up there with holding and football. Like I, I like to say in every touchdown scored in the NFL, there's a hold somewhere. It's just if you saw it or not. And I think a lot of times in the WNBA, you see defensive and offensive three seconds go uncalled for quarters at a time. And then you'll see a head coach tug on a ref and say, hey, you're not calling that. Why? It, it takes a ref being reminded to, if, if, to call that 
And I think both coaches could have been in the ref's ears and they were ready to make that call. But outside of that, there was there was a, a bit of chippiness. But, you know, most of these texts weren't vicious. I think it was it was a lot of silliness and particularly, you know, with a player like Arike, she's super fun. I think, you know, the, that's why a lot of the, the fans love her. I know she was my first WNBA jersey a few years ago just because she's so fun to watch. I mean, she, she's a true fan favorite, and a, a lot of that personality is why. And, you know, I think it's fun to see her come to her own a little bit as, as that, like, confident, older superstar. She's she, she's turning into a bit of a veteran, which, which is kind of funny right before our eyes. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't make too much of the 10 texts simply because a lot of them were a lot of them were a bit frivolous at times. Yeah, I agree. I, I got the exact number, actually. It was half. Five of them were defensive three seconds. So, again, not usually what you think of when you think of 10 technicals. It wasn't as bad, but yeah, Agumba Wale, she talked after the game, you know, kind of deflected on the refs a little bit. Like, she explained how, like, she thinks they get a little too caught up with their emotions. And I think that's true to a degree. But, you know, this is definitely one of those outlier games and doesn't say as much about the players or the ref. It's just it happens again. They start to look for it and then they start to call it. Yeah, I mean, going off what you guys said, I think when you see 10 texts, you think, oh, my God, that probably was an absolute bloodbath. There was a lot of bad things said, probably, but it wasn't really the case. Um, and, Miles, like you said, I think Arike has kind of become this confident and fun player. And, you know, you see her kind of adding in her own flair with being ejected. She's hyping up the crowd. She's signing an autograph. And, you know, even though she was ejected, I think that this game showed how that Dallas crowd really got behind um, their team, which is, you know, always great to see with the WNBA as it's been a goal for years for these teams to really expand their fan base and, you know, really get, loyal fans out there and I think that this was an example of of loyal fans being out there and really being into the game and and cheering for their players and getting mad at the refs for their players so I think even though you have 10 technical fouls which might seem bad you know a positive spin is how these fans are really standing behind their team but um, we are going to transition to the Phoenix Mercury. As I mentioned, the Liberty beat the Mercury, who um, are without Tarasi and Griner. But the Mercury are most recently coming off a 20-point loss to the Las Vegas Aces on Wednesday night. Griner's out due to a hip injury, and Tarasi's out due to a hamstring injury. Um, both have been out for three straight games. Um, but, you know, how will the Mercury compensate? Um, it's definitely a big question right now in the power rankings. The Mercury are at the way bottom, so... They're definitely taking a hit without two of their superstars. But, guys, how do you think they kind of keep things afloat right now? Yeah, the Phoenix Mercury in a difficult position. I think with Tarasi and Griner out, they do become a bit of that one-trick pony with Sophia Cunningham as their sole offensive standout. And I think it's difficult for the 
for the cast of role players around her, including a former Liberty player in Michaela Onyewere, about how, how do you step up and, and and take on a bigger role when you when you face these injuries? It can be difficult to adjust because I think particularly, you know, Bree Turner is a player who's had an up and down career. I think she's having a bit of a down year this year, at least statistically speaking, from what I can tell. And that can be it can really wear on on you mentally when you you have a couple stars injured you know your the your pressure is really ratcheted up by that and then you can't come out and perform it's it's difficult i think you know they have to really run the offense through Cunningham as they have been and ha- as they showed in Barclays that you know with that 27 point outburst she can be a special score up there with the best of them no doubt about it she is that all-star caliber score but you know it, it takes more than that to win in this league and i think with the with all that's surrounding this team this year it's it's a lot of pressure for griner and, and an aging tarasi i think that you know those are two figureheads of the game and when they go on on the road the, the particularly when they came to Barclays, I know everyone was excited to see them. And when when they're not a part of this ball club, there's certainly a certain air taken out of the end of their sales. So I think, you know, Cunningham has to set up, but by no means is that going to be enough. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that even when Griner's playing, you know, they're two and nine, they're bottom of the league this year. And this is like, this is a 40 game season. So it's going to be hard for them to, to rebound and try to make a playoff push. But it is possible. One thing also of note, again, um, Skyler Diggins-Smith, still away from the team, obviously, but that's still a 20-point score from last year, at least near 20-point, that you don't have this year. And the team just doesn't look the same, and it's it's going to be hard for them to make a full rebound. Yeah, I mean, Miles, you made the great point. I think that when you have these teams, on, when you have the Mercury on the road – you know, the fans are coming out to see Griner after everything that happened with her being detained in Russia. You have people coming to see Diana Taurasi just being a WNBA legend. And I think when a team that does, doesn't have those two kind of staples, those idols, it can definitely be hard and put a lot of pressure on the remaining uh, players. But... Like you said, I think Sophie Cunningham is really going to be a key for them. You kind of have to run the offense through her at this point. She's really your only option, unfortunately. She's had uh, 61 points in their losses, so she's really kind of uh, filling some big shoes right now. But, you know, the good thing with both of these injuries is that the timetable isn't really certain right now, but Griner and Tarasi are both going to be back pretty soon you know this these are season ending injuries so they're gonna be back and they're gonna kind of have some weapons to help them out but like you said Brett I think when when you're not succeeding like this for as many games as you are um I think it's it's gonna be hard to make that playoff push especially when you have so many competitive teams like the, the Sun, the Liberty, the Aces, um, it's definitely really hard. And, you know, a point that's been made in many, many episodes of All In is that, you know, with only 12 teams in the WNBA, you're seeing these really good teams consistently. So when you're down with injuries, it can kind of be hard to compensate because you're going to probably see the best teams multiple times um so hopefully sophie cunningham can kind of continue to keep the ship 
afloat, but it's definitely really hard to fill the shoes of Griner and Tarasi. Uh, their next game is tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern against the Storm. So we'll see what they can do there. But um, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily a huge panic button because you're going to see Griner and Tarasi come back hopefully pretty soon. Um, but we're going to shift to our final topic of the show, which this has been talked about a lot on All In, especially with me, Julian Taylor. We had a huge, huge discussion about this a few months ago. The WNBA is finally allowing charter flights for their teams. This was announced on June 16th. They're allowing teams to travel on private charter flights using the company Jet Suite X. Um, and this was just always kind of shocking to me that the W did not allow private charter flights. You think these are professional athletes and they're sitting on like Southwest flights or Delta flights with, uh, you know, normal people, which is definitely really bizarre. But this comes after Brittany Griner and the rest of the Mercury were harassed in Dallas while they were waiting for a commercial flight. So, you know, I think there was definitely some urgency there to make these private charter flights happen after, you know, the safety of players was kind of put into question. But there's definitely some some holes in this whole plan. JetSuite X, which is the company that the W is going to use, is not available in a majority of W cities and the flights with the company have preset routes and times so there's kind of some gaps that have to be filled and you know i think this shows how this is just happening now and it's happening in the wake of the safety of the players being put into question and and obviously it's not as thorough as, as we thought this service i think this does really show the discrepancy between you know what, how male athletes are accommodated versus female athletes and how the W is kind of behind in terms of the services they offer offer for their players. So would just love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, you know, it does create a, a big gray area because I'm I mean, I don't know the details of it, but I'd assume that a squad like the Indiana Fever are not going to be using this service very often. And I think, you know, it, it's difficult because there, I know going into the year there was the preset actual charter flights where it's separate of the service JSX and it's it's an actual, you know, it's entirely charter. Cause I know JSX is almost this um halfway point where I believe us as individuals could book JSX flights potentially with WNBLers. I, I mean, I don't think that they rent out the entire flight. I think they just buy seats on a on this halfway point, if I'm not mistaken. And I think you know, I'd be surprised if it was used equally across the board. I think squads like Las Vegas will probably find a way to use this service much more than teams like Indiana, like I said. And I think, you know, I saw on Sabrina's um, Instagram story, a photo of her on a private jet last week. And I was thinking, well, I don't think that was a back to back. Like that was, you know, and I was, I was just confused by it. And I think, you know, I'm not sure how public they're going to be about the plans just because of what happened with Brittany Griner. I think, you know, the whole conversation of a competitive advantage is very important, but as many WNBA players will tell you, they're willing to toss that conversation out the window 
amidst this Brittany Griner situation. I think every W or the vast majority of WNB players would be perfectly content if Phoenix had every flight private and they did not. Um, you know, I, it's an interesting circumstance, but I'd be surprised if there was really any transparency and I was, I'd be surprised if it was used equally. I think it's just going to be one of those things where it goes down in history as the players were content to leave it as uh, this kind of unequal playing field. But I think, you know, I'd be surprised if the media was really informed about the details of it at any point. So it's really tough to, tough to make a call on like, on what's going to happen. Cause I don't, I don't feel very informed about how it's being used. And I don't know if I ever, ever will be. Yeah. And I, I definitely think, I mean, this was an obvious response to the harassment that Brittany Griner received because the commissioner did say again in February that she didn't see how it was like financially viable to occur. Um, and again, this has been a conversation for like a long time. The Liberty were fined a couple years ago because Joe Tsai wanted to buy them flights, but again, the whole competitive advantage issue. Um, so it's it's just kind of hard because you have to figure out a way to make it work money-wise. They explained they could get a sponsor for a season, but then they didn't want to have one for one season and not be able to guarantee one for multiple seasons in advance. Um, but they decided to pull something together and find a solution amid like a really pressing issue. Yeah, I think, Miles, you touched on the lack of transparency with the media. You know, as someone, I was at the draft and I listened to the commissioner speak and, you know, not to totally rattle her on the podcast, but I think that there definitely is a lack of transparency with some of the issues in the WNBA. But I think the players have been really good in kind of sacrificing, as you said, a level of of competition to keep players like Brittany Griner safe when you have this really unique situation. Um, and I think the bottom line is I just hope that everyone stays safe and that, you know, no matter what the travel plans are, a situation like the Mercury faced in Dallas a few weeks ago will never happen again because that's really scary. You know, these these women are just trying to go basically do their job and you know you have these scary situations that really shouldn't be happening um but you know we hope that maybe in the future there can be a bit more transparency with the w but that will be our show for today i'm annabelle watson i've been here with miles grossman and brett tulip all in is a production of wfuv sports 